Welcome to Table Radio Season 2. Today's sermon is from our Neighborhood Table Gathering on Sunday, September 26th. Enjoy! Our text for today is Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly and sisterly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Why is it so hard to love people? I mean, we all have people that are easy to love. Then we have the people that we know, right? We read Paul here, and it seems like a great ideal. It'd be awesome to do this. But then we think about living in the weeds of everyday life. It is hard to love people. How do we love genuinely without hypocrisy, without pretense? Because some people, they need more than we can give, right? And some people just don't seem to change no matter how much you care about them or love them. Some people don't receive our love. And some people are toxic black holes and will take until we're dead. And then they'll move on to a new host. (laughs) There can seem to be a deep chasm between the ideals of love, like what we read about in Romans 12, 9 through 21, on the one hand, and our everyday lives on the other. People are complicated and hard to love. And the church is no exception. And also, I'm bad at it. With the best of intentions, I may go into a situation with a genuine attempt to love someone, and I come out the other side burnt to a crisp. Or ask, how did I end up yelling at that person I was trying to love? I know that I don't have resources to love people well. Because I'm a mess myself at times. Who do I think I am trying to love others when my needs are so great? I'm easily wounded and defensive sometimes. Or maybe I'm presenting myself as other than I am to impress people. Or I end up fighting because of my need to protect or soothe my own ego. Also, secondly, what do we do about people who are, who are hard to love, who, who wound us? How do I love them? Paul says essentially the same as Jesus here in his passage, turn the other cheek. But have you ever tried that? 
We get seriously angry at people for being thoughtless, short-sighted, selfish, abusive. Aren't we justified in some of our anger? How do we begin to tackle these problems of loving others? Especially when we've been apart for such a long time, quarantined in our own homes. Some of us are beginning to come together again. It's going to take some time of learning how to love genuinely and how to love when others hurt us by what they say or what they do. Now, here's my perception how most of us approach these challenges. One, self-love, self-acceptance. We know that if we're broken ourselves, it becomes hard and maybe impossible to truly love others. We have to find a way to come to true self-acceptance. Second, identity. We need to know who we are. If we're trying to get our identity from others, we'll never genuinely love them. We'll always be trying to get something from them. The problem with these two needs is that they're incredibly elusive for most of us. Self-acceptance and finding yourself, easy to say, much more difficult to execute. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but I want to quickly address the other challenge. What about people who've wounded me? And here, I notice we have two very divergent ways of dealing with this. Sometimes we're told we need to stand up for ourselves. We have to fight. It's not healthy. It's not self-loving. It's not self-accepting to simply let people walk over us, abuse us, harm us. We must stand up for ourselves, fight back. The other, maybe seemingly contradictory thing we hear is, be the bigger person. Have grace. Be diplomatic. Be generous. Show them that you're the bigger person by not engaging in the same way, not getting even. So it seems like this last one has more overlap with the Bible's view, but it still requires us to be pretty whole and healthy people to be able to accomplish that. And that's the trick, isn't it? All of this requires me to find enough resources within me, a deep, dark, and mysterious cavern of my soul, dead end. It's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks here at the table. Because we just end up using others to try and get what we need. That feeling of being enough. And just perpetuates the cycle. The Bible calls us to something different. A different solution. The Bible's solution is to utilize, is to utilize divine resources. Here's what I mean. And it takes us back to the gospel as Paul understand it and understands it in Romans 1. Verses 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew and also to the Greek. Two at-odds groups of people, two enemies, the Jews and the Greeks, put together here in the gospel. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous, the just, shall live by faith. God's justice, and this is the gospel moment here, God's justice frees me up to love my neighbor. Here's how. Because it addresses both questions we raised above. How do I love others well when I'm still a work in progress myself? Still broken? And two, how do I genuinely love people who hurt me? Number one, God makes me just. God makes me enough. And so I am free to love genuinely, without pretense, without hypocrisy. We talked about this at length last week, 
and I'm not going to repeat the whole sermon. You can look it up on our website, get the audio from our podcast, but basically it's this. All our striving to prop up our egos and feel good about ourselves is a dead end. It's not going to work. Nothing works. We just end up in competition with others because we're measuring ourselves against the other. This leads to judging others and only loving others in order to get something from them. It's not genuine love. Sometimes it's subtle and subconscious, and we have no idea we're doing it. But if I'm trying to create my own system of righteousness, my own self-justification, my own enoughness, others will always be a means to an end. Can't truly love. The solution of the gospel, God in Christ makes me righteous, makes me just, makes me enough. He justifies me. Good enough. That's the labor we're called to as followers of Christ, to learn how to trust, to have faith that God has made me enough through Jesus. When I can learn to do that, I'm free from this trap of self-justification. I know that God accepts me, and that trumps my own need for self-acceptance. It's better. Then I'm truly free to love without self-interest because I don't need anything from the other person. I can truly serve them, and how I serve them, and to the degree to which I serve them, doesn't have to say anything about who I am and how good I am. Again, for more on that, see last week's sermon. Okay, second, how do I love those who hurt me? God's justice frees me to love my enemy. How? If we truly believe that God will make things right in the end, that he is just, if we truly trust that he will hold everyone to account for their words and actions, then it frees us up. We don't have to keep score anymore. We don't have to get even. That's the idea. It's not saying it doesn't matter what that person did to me. It's not saying that. It's saying it actually does matter. It's not saying it's okay what you did to me. Far from it. It's acknowledging and recognizing that God sees and God will take care of it. He will repay it, he says. So you don't even have to keep score. If we really believe that, Paul says, then we are free to love even our enemies, even those who hurt us. Disclaimer. Loving your enemy doesn't mean putting yourself in situations where they can abuse or harm you. It's not saying that. In fact, love would probably mean getting out of that type of situation, depending on the circumstance. I'm talking about not needing to take revenge on people who hurt me by their words or their actions. And when we're truly free because of God's justice at work in our own life and his promise to make things right in the end, we are free to love even our enemies. And Paul says that freedom will expose their own bondage. It will reveal that they are stuck in anger and bitterness when you are free from it. And that will be worse and more potent in a way than any vengeance could ever be. This passage isn't primarily about love, I don't think. I think it's about what to do with the freedom that comes with this gospel. We're to use that freedom from having to self-justify, we're to use that freedom to genuinely love one another. 
And here, Paul paints a picture in this passage of what that looks like, how it gets fleshed out in community. None of this that he lists off would have been that remarkably different than what the rest of the world of Paul's day would have affirmed regarding the ideal of love. And probably even true today, you could kind of look down this and say, like, most people would say this is pretty ideal if we could love this way. Even non-Christians, I think, would say a lot of this is pretty great. Except for one thing is different. And that one thing is this, that this love is fueled by God's love for us in Christ. That's the difference. It's not that this list is so different from the world's, way, world's idea of love. It's that how we do it genuinely is radically different. Fueled by God's love for us in Christ, who justifies us and then frees us to truly love. All other attempts, according to the gospel, all other attempts at this ideal will fail. If you want to love others well, receive the love that God has for you in Jesus. That's your job. That's your work. His love not only makes you good, his justice will free you to truly love others well. So God, we give you thanks for this gift in Jesus, that you have made us enough and you free us to love genuinely, without hypocrisy, without pretense, without needing something in return. And that your justice and your concern for justice in this world frees us from keeping score with our enemies and frees us from the cycle of anger and vengeance to truly love them. God, would you instill this in our hearts that we might love one another well. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, BC. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode, provided by the Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Relieve, and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. Light up every path, be our strength and be our guide. You guide us through. That's why we praise you. You guide. Darkness can